HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. All right, welcome everyone. Bienvenidos uh, to another episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Adon Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother. Sarela Martinez. And we are beyond excited. We already started catching up uh, with our wonderful guest, and I'm going to wait to introduce him because he's just somebody so special that we've known collectively, collectively my mother and I, for many years. Uh, of course, we're talking about James Osland. Uh, he is has so many different cool titles. He's basically a food adventurer, if you will. He's a culinary writer. He's an editor, a television personality. He's done so many different things, amongst one of them being the editor-in-chief from Saverve, Saverve Magazine from 2006 to 2014. And we were just talking uh, off air uh, just about this beautiful new book that he has put forward that my mom and I are just so crazy about and have a love affair with. And it's called The World Food Mexico City. And it is just unbelievable. I have it here. And we've been kind of just playing around with it and showing it to each other. And my mom can't have enough superlatives to talk about all the all how beautiful, beautifully made this book is. And I just really, really have to uh, commend James for this. He's going to speak about that shortly. But also one thing that I want to point out, he still has a hot mail uh, email, which is pretty cool. All right. You're going old school. I mean, you have a hot mail email. OK, so that right there in itself has already put you into a cool into a cool area. OK, maybe if you had Mindspring, you'd be the man. OK, but uh, anyway, so. Yeah, of course. And, you know, he's 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 written for The New York Times. He's done so many different things. He's a regular judge on the Bravo television series Top Chef Masters, uh, which we're not going to talk about that because that's my competitor. But anyway, um, but we're here talking about soup, okay, or sopa, caldos. And and James is so well versed on Mexican cuisine. He currently lives in Mexico City for the last five years. So he has a really good perspective on what's going on there, what's been going on there, the the great variety and diversity of Mexico City. And he's going to speak to that. But we had to reel him in and talk a little bit about one subject matter, which is tough to do with James. But we're going to focus on sopa. So bienvenido. Thank you so much, James. Gracias. I'm so happy to see you guys. Well, let me just wax poetic a little bit about your book because this is very important to the subject at hand. I just love the way that you have incorporated and weave in the recipes with the stories 
in a really <clears throat> different way. You know, you're setting it, setting it in a cultural context, which is what I love to do. You're bringing alive the life of Mexico City, which is just so, so, I don't know how to, so varied, let's say, in all the different experiences from the high classes, low classes, as they say over there. Mm. But it's just wonderful. I mean, I just cannot tell you how much I love your book, and especially the soup chapter. <laughs> which we're going to be focusing on today. And you're right, Mom. You know, Mexico City is the one place in Mexico that you can really have a taste of all the different regions in Mexico, and that's exactly. what makes it so special. But today, we unfortunately, we have to focus on one thing. We'll have to have you back. But let's talk a little bit about soup, shall we? And I think, you know, once, once we're doing it, let's start with the basics. Let's have, a, a, a James, a good definition, in your opinion, your humble opinion, the difference between sopa and caldo, because you'll find both uh, you know, sprinkle through Mexican restaurants and, and, and recipes. So. <laughs> so for me, for me, sopa means that's your, that's your starter. That's your entrada. That's your, that's your pa- palate, palate yeah. opener. And the thing that takes away desperate hunger, which is something that occurs, occurs with me with like, you know, man, when I'm hungry, mm. it's like, I got to eat. And when you come into a home for lunch, the main meal in Mexico City, really throughout Mexico, um, nine times out of ten, you will be offered a sopa um, when you sit down at the table. So a nice, beautiful bowl mm-hmm. of soup. And I'm going to tell you, when I first, when I first encountered that as a seventeen-year-old, first on my first trip to Mexico. With my dad, my gosh, we went on a three-week road trip. We drove from New Orleans, where my dad lived. We drove from Laplace, Louisiana, Mm. all the way to Chiapas, the southernmost state of Mexico, um, over a three-week trip. And, you know, prior to then, I had no, I had basically, like, very, very limited context of, uh, of Mexican food. And, you know, we got this incredible survey of it, you know, going through the whole country. And one of the things, I mean, there were many things that blew my mind and, you know, just completely, you know, defied my expectations. But there was one thing in particular that really blew my mind. Mexicans eat soup. They eat so much soup. They love soup. They're soup obsessed. And, you know, I had no idea for that. So that's a sopa, is that thing that you sit down to. But then for me, caldo, that means I can make a meal out of it. Mm-hmm. For me, like a caldo is like, you know, I've got my stack of yeah. tortillas, my beverage of choice, and my caldo, and I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've got like a one-pot meal right in front of me. Exactly. That's a you great know, description. Go ahead, Mom. Normally, the, the sopa, the caldo is called sopa guada. See. Si. Mm-hmm. There's a sopa guada, sopa seca. Have you heard that term? Oh, yes. Yeah, so yes. That's, that's what we call it because most of those blue plate specials start with a sopa guada and then maybe a sopa seca and then the entree. And it's so mm-hmm. confusing for people who just can't imagine what, what a sopa guada is, which is like a, what we in, in, in the States think of as a soup, like a, a liquidy, a liquidy brothy bowl of deliciousness in front of you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then, and then sopa seca is something entirely different, which is, you know, a, a, a really a kind of starch-based, dry, drier thing, which 
which doesn't make it sound so inviting, but when you read a sopa seca, like, yeah. like uh, fideos in, in, in with, with chipotles, which is fideos or, or you know, that, that kind of pasta. Basically, it's a casserole. Mm. It's like a, it's a noodle casserole. But, you know, sopa aguada, the liquid yeah. version, I mean, that's specifically the thing that really, really excites me and, and floats my boat. I love that. Do, do you have a favorite one? A favorite liquid soup in Mexico? Yeah, I, I I'll tell you, my favorite my favorite sopa liquid sopa a liquid soup like a drinkable delicious hot soup. My personal favorite my personal favorite is um, sopa de lentejas, me a, a Mexican version of lentil soup. Oh yeah, and, you know. It's just so oh, I love that. delicious when it's made well and it's scented with a little bit of cilantro that has been cooked with the soup and maybe even a little bit of bacon to give it that kind of earthy, smoky quality. And the lentils, you know, the Mexican variety of lentils, which are a little bit smaller than the ones we know in the States, they're almost more like the, the, the French um, Le Puy lentils. And they're, they're, they're so marvelous. And then when you add a dollop of a fresh-made salsa, you could add like a, a green salsa or, or a red salsa. It could be really hot or maybe not so hot. And you add that and you mix it into the sopa de lentejas, the lentil soup. That, for me, is just, is just heaven on earth. James, we're already in love with you, but the fact that you are, you are bigging up the very humble lentil I feel the poor lentil gets a lot of uh, doesn't get a lot of love and admiration. So I'm so happy that that you that you put it up on a pedestal. I think that's beautiful. Do you know? Um, <laughs> can I ask a question? Do you know Minguichi, the tomato soup with a with a ground corn, which is perfect for this time of the year? It's, it's tomatoes, and then you grind fresh corn into it. I do know the soup. I've never made it, and you're so right. This is the moment right now because the ingredients are at their best. Well, you can get it at my website, sarela.com. I have the recipe there. <laughs> okay, mom. That, that was nice and shameless. I love that. <laughs> I know. The, uh, don't worry. Uh, but that's awesome. It is a good soup, mom. I remember you have it on the menu for a long time. So let's just talk a little bit about the idea <laughs> of where you get sopas and caldos, right? If you're in Mexico, obviously we're talking about the home. But traditionally, if you go to mercados, you'll have what you call fondas or these sort of these little sort of counter counter restaurants where they're, they're usually located next to the mercado. And this would be a place that you would kind of, uh, you know, go seek this out. Right. Uh, apart from the home, because it's sort of and, that, that, and that the blue collar and the restaurants, too. But the blue collar folk can go get them at fondas necessarily, because I think they have a lot of soul when, you, when they're served to you in those little the Peltrix uh, bowls and you're having it there. You know, I think those are beautiful moments. What did you well, agree, James? Yeah, he has a big story about that in the soup chapter, don't you? About how you go get the soups at this particular fonda and they have all these toppings that you add to it, which is something that I was not familiar with, by the way. Well, you know, it's, it's I, 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 that there is something that I write about in the book which is, um, I, I think, what you're referring to. And, you know, so I, I, I live in Mexico City. I've lived here for, for about the last five years. Um, and I, um, you know, I usually keep food in the house. I work at home. You know, my home is also a test kitchen. I write here, I edit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
you know, but there is, you know, there comes that, that occasional day of the week where it's like, I don't want to be at home. I want to break. And I'm lucky enough to have, I live in the very center of the city, just a, a 10 minute walk from the, the cathedral and the main square, um, the Zocalo. And, um, you know, there's a lot of activity around me. It's just mm-hmm. it's incredibly dense around me with with people and shops and, and, and restaurants and businesses and markets and just so, so much. But I'm really lucky enough to have a um, really excellent fonda, which Aaron was talking about, which is, you know, a, 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 a mm. small little restaurant. It's almost like the fondas of Mexico City, and there are just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these places they're almost like they, they almost give you, the diner, the feeling that you're walking into someone's home, not into a restaurant. You know, they're, they're nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. They're family run. Exactly. The entire family is there behind the counter. Um, you, you go in, you know, around two or three o'clock or maybe even four o'clock in the afternoon, which is the typical lunch hour in Mexico City. It's not noon. Um, you know, in Mexico City, dinner, dinner is not such a big deal. You know, it's really sort of like the second or maybe even third most important meal of the day. But like lunch around yep. somewhere between two and four is really important. And I'm lucky enough to have this great little family run fonda. Right, right near my place. Funnily enough, it's in the lobby of a bathhouse, and so they also provide meals for the people who are getting their Turkish bath upstairs. And this this fund is great. And you know, every day, like all fundas in Mexico City, they've got four or five, maybe six different things that they make main courses, along with different, different, different entradas. And so there might be a, a dry sopa, like we were talking about early, mm-hmm. earlier, or a soupy sopa, a, a sopa awada that, that Zarello was, was, was mentioning. And, you know, for me, that day of the week when I go in and I and, and walk into this place and I kiss the owner on the cheek and I sit down and she asks me, like, you know, what, what would you like for your first course? Here, here's the, here's the, 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 the soupy soups that I've got. And here's the, the, the dry soup or two that I've got. What, what do you want for me? It's just, it's a really sweet moment when I'm bringing that first spoonful of soup to my lips. And it's like my, my, you know, my mm. desperate hunger goes away and even better Aaron, if it's like the lentil soup and, you know, it's just, it's a little piece of heaven for me. <laughs> I love that. Do you consider pozole and menudo soups? I don't really consider those soups in the same sense that a, a lentil soup is or, a, you know, another favorite um, liquidy soup is a soup that you'd make with a, it's a classic of Mexico City. It's fava beans, dried fava beans and, um, and nopales, the cactus. So it's a fa- fava bean and, and no, nopal soup, a fava bean and cactus soup. That, that for me, I'd say, is my, is my second favorite. For for me, pozole enters that 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 wonderful area of one pot meal 
that you encounter in, in Mexico. And pozole is that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hominy, and it's usually cooked with pork, and it's cooked for hours, and, and you've got all of these different toppings that are associated with it, and you eat it with, you know, often um, uh, tostadas and crema, which you smear on top, and it's just, it's you, you don't need to eat for the next three days after, you know, you're on a, on a pozole vendor. Um, or another one would be yeah. like mole de olla, which is another favorite of mine, which is you know, a, a just super, super classic, yeah. as you guys know, um, Mexican, uh, Central Mexican, in particular yeah. dish of, of pork or beef that's also stewed for hours, but it's got this, like, this, this, these dried chilies that are in it that, that give it this, this flavor that you never knew food could have. For me, those kind of dishes are so complicated and so substantial and so wonderful that a soup, like a lentil soup or the fava beans with with cactus, that's just more like a a palate tickler than anything. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even in the north of Mexico, they have a pozole blanco, which is very interesting where they actually you can put the salsas in al gusto to your liking. You know, people are familiar with the red pozole and the green, but... Um, but they make a white one, which is very interesting in the north. And you actually put cabbage on top of it in tons of radishes, which I think is really interesting, which is not very common. Um, so let's talk a little bit about more other, other styles of, of sopas, right, Mom? Well, you know, I have to tell you that my favorite story about a soup, I love caldo tralpeño, mm-hmm. which is a soup that is flavored with chipotle. It has ch- chicken breast in it. It has uh, chickpeas. And, you know, when, when I first moved here, I ended up cooking at the Williamsburg Economic Summit. And, you know, which made, got me in touch with Michael Deaver, who was the, the chief of staff for Reagan. And <laughs> Queen Elizabeth was going to visit the Reagan Ranch. And they wanted me to send a recipe. And I sent a recipe for, for caldo tralpeño and all the ingredients for them to prepare it at the ranch. I was supposed to go, but there were floods in, in California at that time, so I couldn't go. So to this day, that soup in, in my lingo is called Queen Elizabeth soup. And it is such a delicious, delicious uh, soup. Do you, do you encounter That's from Talpa, Tal honey. Yeah, I know. Caldo tapeño is another. Have, just, is that something that you have? I didn't know. I didn't. It's 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 a favorite favorite food, and it feels like so 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 Mexico City, you know. Um, um, but the special thing about caldo tapeño is, you know, it's a it's I believe it's it starts with a with a with a chicken stock, right? Yeah, but then exactly. it has this addition of of. Dried ground, dried ground um, chilies that are that are in it, but um, and 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 oftentimes you know actual pieces of chicken or shredded chicken. But the really magical thing about the, this caldo jalapeno is the toppings. The toppings yes. are such a. It's just it's this it's it's exquisite. It's so refined. You get these you know at their best. You know this really. Um, Fine, fine strips of fried tortilla, you know, as a garnish, and then and then it could be cubes of avocado, mm. and then it could be pieces of either panela cheese, which is like mozzarella, or queso Oaxaca, you know, the, that great string cheese, and then best of all, um, mm-hmm. um, um, uh, ch- uh, chipotles. 
chipotles um, that have that have you know like the kind that we get in the can in the states, you know either either shredded or basically in in the stock or even added at the very end. I mean, it's just that, that soup is just, is dreamy. It's just absolutely dreamy. You know, when you add up all of yeah. these components together, it's, it is really and it's so it's so complex, so complex. You know what? What I, I wanted to make a comment about the cheese. If you're using panela or Oaxaca cheese, it's not going to melt, you know, and become greasy or anything. It's going to basically stay in <laughs> shape. So when you, when you bite into it, it'll be a little cube. You know what I'm saying? It won't be melted all over the yes, shoes. Yes, it's like you have a it'll be its own thing. A mouthful of, of of delicious cheese. Not not. It's not something that gets incorporated. And that's the amazing thing about all of those toppings is they carry on their wonderful, delicious individuality. You know, and you know, it's 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 a magic, magic food, Cabo Tarpeño. Mm. Although I do think of caldo jalapeno is kind of more of a sopa than a caldo, but that's maybe just me. (laughs) I agree. No one's going to take you to task on that, James. I think you're absolutely correct. (laughs) I think think something to mention, too, is Mexico is one of the few regions that actually has a lot of garnishes on soup. You know, where in other countries and other cuisines, you would just think of having, you know, something very monotonous, like a a puree tomato soup Mm -hmm. or a cream of something. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that 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 uh, repetitiveness becomes very boring to your palate. So when you're able to navigate a soup and a chowder with all these little crunchy bits and textures, it actually makes for so much more of a pleasurable experience. And I think that's really what differentiates Mexican sopas and caldos, you know? You know what I find is very hard to do it in a home? It's a great fish soup. Yeah, a sopa de pescado. And you know totally about the garnishes thing, the, the garnishes thing, you know, one of the things that's so special to me about that is that it gives you, the diner, the possibility of, of, of making the soup that you, you want. And exactly. even if you know, garnishes in, in, you know, on, on the table, garnishes on the table either, you know, in my, in, to my mind, either go with a, a, a classic Mexican soup or something that's more substantial like a pozole or a caldo or, you know, a caldo de pollo, a chicken chicken stew. But, you know, they, they all have these garnishes, which are this, it's like this little palette of flavor and texture that you get on, on the table right there. And so it could be, mm-hmm. it could be chopped onion, it could be a salsa, it could be pieces of tomato, it could be a bowl of, of halved limes. Um, etc. It could be chicharron, you know, like it could be, you know, in a, in a, in a, in, you know, one of the, yes. one of the things that I love in a caldo tlapeño, for example, is like, you know, in, if, if you're in a, in a cat fancy restaurant, there's like a, you know, an amazing little mini plate of really delicious chicharron right there that you, you know, you break directly into the soup mm-hmm. and the chicharron softens just slightly, but at the same time, it retains its crispness. And it's just, it's its so freaking good. But even when you're, you know, when you go back to my classic uh, lentil mm. soup, you know, it's like you've got that salsa that you're adding to it. You know, in, in, in our mind, in the States, when we think of a garnish for a soup, it's usually not more than maybe just like a little sprinkle of pepper or maybe, you know, a little cream or a little yogurt, a dollop of yogurt, yeah. but then it kind of stops there. 
And, you know, it's, it's, it's so, it's so, it's such an example of the brilliance of the Mexican culinary mind that, you know, that, that these things are done to a simple bowl of, of, of soup or stew, you know, it's so, it's so, it's so terrific for me. Do you, do you ever have plantains in your lentil soup? That sounds so good. You mean like sautéed plantains? That's old school. That's kicking it super old school. Mm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm an old Doesn't school. that sound I'm yummy? Like the yeah. combination yes, of that does. smoky stew and then the sweet little plantains? Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there's a traditional soup with that. So it's, it is really old school, but. It can become new school. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I just, I think, well, we talked real quick about <clears throat> the idea of different kinds of catalogs, right? And so, Mom, you brought up the idea of a fish soup or something that has shellfish. Um, a couple of, you know, things that I think to, 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 to keep in mind, you know, when you're peeling shrimp and just some tips. When you're peeling shrimp, save the shells, freeze mm -hmm. them roast them, make a beautiful shrimp or seafood stock. Never let that go by the wayside. Always try to put some tomato and some aromatics in your broths and don't cook it for longer than 45 minutes to an hour. It starts to become bitter. And the same thing when you start to make a gadlo or a sopa, you kind of just want to bring back that broth up to life and then add your little, your little bits and goodies in there and then just literally poach your seafood in there and keep yeah. it very light and refreshing. Uh, I think that would be one suggestion just from a culinary standpoint. You know, from the old chefy over here, the old chef. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that it's very hard to make a fish soup at home. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I've been trying to make bula base forever and I haven't been able to do that. You know, though, one of the great, great ingredients, the great one of the great ingredients of, of Mexico that people don't really tend to be too familiar with Um, you know, outside of the country is is dried shrimp. Oh yes, oh, I know. Oh. dried shrimp, and what is called a a a, 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 a sopa de camarón or, or caldo de camarón, like a, a a shrimp a shrimp soup. Oh the, yes, the, the, the base the base of the stock are these you know sun dried shrimp that are slightly salty, slightly funky, slightly mm -hmm. oceanic in their taste. And when you when you when you have the leisure of making you know the base of a soup using these little dried shrimp, uh, seasoned with some other complementary aromatics like white onion, garlic. Again, that's cilantro, not chopped up, but like mm -hmm. in, a, in a you know big old piece, so you're getting maximum yep. flavor out, out of the stem of cilantro. It's this the the that stock itself just on its own. If you're feeling ever a little under the weather, if you get a, a mug of this warm, warm, um, this warm broth, mm. you know, this this salted dried shrimp broth, it's so it's it, it's really, really exquisite. And it's not really a flavor that people associate generally with, with Mexican food, yet it's it's completely fundamental to the to the to the taste of Mexico. Yeah, and it's typically one of those things that, you know, dry shrimp you have during Lent, right? Um, you know, the, the, the tortitas de camarón you have during Lent. But I think that you, you're right, James, the idea of that flavor. I hate the word where people use umami in <laughs> such uh, misguided ways. 
but that's a little bit of umami in there. So I'll give it, I'll give the umami uh, moniker to that to that broth that you mentioned. And you know, people didn't like that flavor until Thai food became a thing. Mm-hmm. Because because it's a flavor that's very common in Thai food. Mm-hmm. You're completely you know, right. Shrimp. You know, you're completely right, Sorella. And what's what's cool, cool for me, like another place that I've lived abroad is is Southeast Asia. You know, I I, I live I've, I've I've lived off and on in Southeast Asia for forty years, and it's a very very typical flavor profile of of all the cuisines of Southeast Asia from Vietnam. Thailand, Burma, Malaysia, Singapore, vast, vast Indonesia, you know, you'll always find some ingredient that's kind of funky and tastes of the sea, the taste of the ocean, that is a that's a key component of the of the flavor mm-hmm. of the place. And it's a really, for me, a really cool, startling kind of overlap that you've got that same flavor here in Mexico where you think like, oh no, Mexico has enchiladas and it's this and it's that. And it's yes, 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 it is those things. But it's also these these other other things that that funnily enough also reflect um other other um obscure flavors in other very far away parts of the world. Things like that always make me wonder like Maybe, maybe, maybe world food is really more connected than 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 we we think it is because there's all these funny little overlaps that occur, you know. And and honestly, you know, it's one of the reasons that I started this book series, World Food, and Mexico City is the first volume in it. But you know, mm. as someone who's traveled and eat, eaten mm. kind of sort of everywhere for the last uh, four decades. I was about to say four centuries. Sometimes it feels like that. But um, (laughs) four decades of of going everywhere in the world, you know, has made me realize exactly what you just said, Zarela, where it's like, huh, that's so interesting that Thai food kind of tastes like Mexican food. And the the idea is with this book series, you know, with enough volumes um, created um, in front of us, the, the first book is is this one. The next book is about Paris, and that comes out in November. Um, and uh, and then it goes on from there, not just cities, but also mm. regions and, and countries. And, um, you know, what's so cool to me, though, is we, we think of foods of the world as being so different. But what's so exciting is how wonderfully similar and connected they are it's a it's a it's a sort of joyous expression of humanity that you find in the foods of the world and uh, i love that This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. 
Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. You know what? We have not touched on one of the favorite soups, cocido, <gasps> or caldo de res. See? You, you know, which is a vegetable soup with, you know, with a, with a marrow bone, See? the shin bone and the marrow in it. And, you know, in El Paso, in El Paso, the places where you go and all there are are two tables and people go and sit at communal tables just to have <laughs> their caldo de res, <laughs> either with, with, with rice or with uh, chickpeas. Now, and the, and the idea is like the cocido, right? So does that stem from the famous cocido madrileño that you have in Spain, right? With with the fideos and the butifarra and all the and 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 the um, and the chickpeas, and you have it in different courses. But that's interesting how that is permeated. You're right, mom, to the north of Mexico where you have your caldo reres and you have well, sometimes we call cocido, but yeah, the idea of taking sort of cheaper cuts of meat slow cooking them over a long period of time with that gelatinous shin bones and marrow and just make this wonderful sort of complex, almost like pho, like Mexican pho. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mom, my mom cooked the meat to a certain point and took out that, that, that stock, which is what she would serve on the plate afterward, the one which is really has a lot of flavor. And then she adds the meat back and finish it cooking and then adds the vegetables. So mm. she always extracted the first really flavorful stock and saved it for to put on the actual plate when, when she served it. You know, you guys, Fantastic. this is ex- that's Love sort that. of like, you know, honestly, it's kind of like exactly, you know, what I was thinking of um, or speaking, speaking about when I was talking about that weird overlap in Thai and Mexican flavor that people aren't really necessarily familiar with outside of Mexico. But it's the same deal with those kind of, um, you know, the, the cocido de res, which is like a, a, a beef stew that's basically cooked for hours mm-hmm. with, with some vegetables mm-hmm. and some aromatics. And again, there would be the toppings. And then, of course, you know, the, there's another uh, version that they eat, boy, a heck of a lot in Mexico City, caldo de pollo, which is a, which is a chicken stew, you know, yes. with, with pretty much more or less the same, the same ingredients. But the thing is, you know, you're cooking that, these stews, all of them, what they share in common is you're cooking them so, so lovingly and slowly that you're extracting the, the, the essence slowly out of these ingredients, which is what, which, which is what makes such a, a complex and excellent um, tasting uh, broth. But you'll find traditions of that throughout the world. I mean, my my personal theory is that that in in the cuisines of pre-Hispanic Mexico, you'll find similar similar foods where, you know, really water 
and mm -hmm. wonderful aromatics, and then some sort of protein is cooked for hours and hours and hours, which you'll also find it in Vietnam. You'll also find it in Spain. You'll find it throughout Western Europe. You'll fi find it in some yeah. of the, you know, some of the er 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 earlier, like 1800s um, American cuisines. You'll find it, you'll find it everywhere. You'll find it in China. There's something about the human instinct where we, we got fire, we got a pot, we got water, we got a protein, we got some aromatics to, to make it, to make everything taste better. Now let's just cook it for three hours. And it's, it's almost like the essence of food is what you're, is what you're eating there. And you're going to take that chicken broth and put tortillas in it to make tortilla soup, <laughs> which we also haven't talked about. Exactly. Oh, the, right. the Aztec soup. I mean, this is a subject that we could go on for hours. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, and you know, one of the most exciting things about, you know, Mexican food, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess I kind of, yeah, no, I mean, definitely I was picking up on this on, you know, as a 17-year-old, the first time I, I, I came here 40 years ago with my dad in his station wagon and we drove to Chiapas and all that, but that every single thing you eat in this country, you can taste the past in it. You can, you can, you can, you can, either you're directly, yeah. you're directly eating a dish that is fundamentally unchanged for thousands of years, which is so thrilling, or you're eating a food, you know, a, 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 a post-colonial a, a food or post-colonial food that, that has, has the addition of other ingredients and maybe other, other approaches to cooking and flavor, but it's still Mexican food because it has that always ancient underlay of, of, of food, of, 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 of ways of thinking about food that's here in everything you eat. It's thrilling. It's absolutely thrilling. Mm. And how lucky we are to have you bringing it forth because you're doing it with such care and so much knowledge and so much background where you can really situate it in, in a cultural context and in a world cultural context, which is very unusual for, for people to take that much care and have that much knowledge to put into a particular subject. I, and I agree, Mom. If I can second that, you are, you're the exact reason why we do this podcast is for people like you to come in here and share your vast well of knowledge and it's we are so lucky and fortunate to have you and i'm just throwing this out to our partners at heritage radio network maybe do have james host his own show with the world food uh series that you're going to put out with the books and then have really cool guests that can that can speak to each one of those those regions and those those areas that you're going to be featured in the series So I think that would be a great idea. Um, I totally have a man crush on you. Um, I think you're amazing. And I think this is something that's so special. And you could have lived anywhere in the world, but you chose to live in our, in our beautiful Mexico. And that to us, you know, is so special. Well, we still have a little bit of time. You know, I want, I want to share, I'd love to make with like ocho soup. <gasps> Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, like a cream with like ochi soup, yes. and 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 serve that in demitasse cups as an appetizer yes. when people come in. Yes, and it's the best 
palette opener. Super idea. And you know, Zarella, now yes. is exactly the time. I was just in La Merced, you know, the, the great, vast market of the, the center of Mexico City just two days ago. And there was just wheat la coche all over the place. And wheat la coche is that, you know, fungus that appears... Um, you know, on, on the corn and, you know, actually it's really shocking looking. It, it kind of deforms the corn and it's like, you know, a, 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 a nice, you know, yellow or white ear of corn will, will be covered in this, this gray mushroom-like fungus. But the, but the fungus is just so subtle tasting. I mean, it really is like one of the finest wild mushrooms that you've ever eaten anywhere. And a crema, making a cream soup out of that is whoa, 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 whoa. And now is exactly the moment to do it. Because, you know, of course, in, in Mexico, you know, it's it's all about seasons. It's about what's available now. And the corn, the corn is, is big enough out in the milpa growing up on the stock and, 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 you know, when it gets, when it's lucky enough to get infested by, by this, by this uh, fungus, you know, which, which is just an accident. It's an accident of nature. Spore. Yeah. yeah, it's spore. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's so interesting. In Mexico. I have a bag, of, I have a bag of it that I bought, you know, just for in, 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 in the market just the other day. And I was going to saute it with some episote and onions. And that's what I was going to have for my lunch today. So it's great that you bring it up. <laughs> and some roasted poblanos. Yes, 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 yes. You can also make quesadillas with it. Yes, second best to the to the crema you, you just described. But, um, you know, I've got to say thank you so much for, for your words about, you know, about the book and you know, um, for me, it was no accident that the first book in this series was about Mexico City, a place that, you know, I mean, it, it changed my life coming to here as a 17-year-old. It was the first time I'd ever been outside of the Un United States and to walk into the center of the city um, onto the main plaza, the, the Zocalo, right next to the cathedral, and to go into the markets here and see eat these eat these foods that I never could have imagined as a little kid growing up in Northern California, you know, and, and to see these ingredients like we la coche that were, were so that were so so unfamiliar, it was it, ch it changed me. It changed me. And you know, before that, I had only been an armchair traveler. And the main way that I was an armchair Church Traveler was that series that you were just referring to by complete coincidence, Sorella, the Foods of the World from Time Life. I used to have my mom drive me down to the library where we're in the town where we lived and check out volumes of Foods of the World. And when I when I was like a like a 14-year-old with these books in my lap, and they were, you know, books that were showing me the the these these faraway food cultures it 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 was it, it it was like that's what I wanted to do that's what I wanted to do with my life was go everywhere eat everything study it research it um, find find local cooks mostly home cooks um, to you know to tr translate 
their their vast knowledge and experience to others and you know that's the goal with with this series you know i'm i'm not in the series at all i'm just a i'm a reporter it's just it's local writers it's local cooks it's a it's an honor and respect towards their their knowledge a celebration of, of of this vast knowledge and i think it's very very important at these in these times where Food around the world is almost becoming kind of homogenous. We're eating the same pizza, the same pasta. We're using the same, you know, big corporate ingredients that we buy at the supermarket. This is a, this is a really fragile time in global history. And we we really have to acknowledge our, our forebears all around the world and, and the grandmothers who might not live forever. And, you know, the amazing knowledge that they have, we must... We must carry on this knowledge. We must, we must give it to, to the generations that will follow us. Well, I tell all my, my readers and my, that they have, if they have a grandmother who cooks, that they have to tape her, you know, put her on and, and record all her recipes because you're going to want to have them one day mm-hmm. or your children are going to mm-hmm. want to have them one day. Mm-hmm. That is the best heritage to pass on to your kids. Amen. 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 But anyway, thank you so much for for joining us today. It was a real privilege and and a lot of fun, which is you know also very important in 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 this series of interviews that we do. But today was lots of fun and knowledge and everything else. And well, it's a it's a blast. And and Zarella, what what you guys offer is this base of respect and understanding about about food that's so refreshing to 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 hear in this context so so i salute you guys thank you so much and and hope to see you soon i'm going to be going to oaxaca i'm trying to find a i'm trying to buy a place there (gasps) so you know we can visit anytime it'll be great to to, to have you there. Well, you got you got you got you got to look us up in Mexico City. I can't think of anything better. All right, darling. Thank you so much. Yes, hasta luego. And it was a real pleasure and a real honor. And I can't wait to see it uh, live. Ah, exactly. Hasta pronto, Sarah. Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is powered by Simple Cast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without your support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Yeah.